from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell and Greg Hughes. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 203 with guest Jeffrey Snover, recorded Friday, March 11th, 2011. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow the boys on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell flying solo for this special episode of Run As Radio. With me today, my guest is the Jeffrey Snover. Uh, let me give you the quick bio here. Jeffrey Snover is a distinguished engineer and the lead architect for the Windows Server Division. Snover is the inventor of Windows PowerShell, an object-based distribution automation engine, scripting language, and command line shell. Snover joined Microsoft in 1999 as divisional architect for the Management and Services Division, providing technical direction across Microsoft's management technologies and products. Snover has over 30 years of industry experience with a focus on management technologies and solution. He was an architect in the office of the CTO at Tivoli and a development manager at NetView. He has worked also as a consulting engineer and development manager at DEC, where he led various network and systems management projects. Snover held eight patents prior to joining Microsoft and has registered 30 patents since. He's a frequent speaker at industry and research conferences on a variety of management and language topics. Welcome, sir. Howdy. How you doing? I'm good. And you've always been in the sort of instrumentation, how are our systems doing space? Tivoli, NetView. These are all products I love. Oh, yay. Yep. It, it, well, it's just, you know, I'm a guy who always preferred to work from facts. Uh-huh. You know, like why, why actually having good information about our information systems Absolutely. Was, was the battle. And, and often we're, you know, too often we go with our gut. I think I know what's wrong and often end up digging a bigger hole than we originally had. Right. Sometimes your gut helps, but not generally with managing systems, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's not bad to have a have a theory, but go back it up with some numbers in some respect. But PowerShell's not that tool, although it's actually pretty good at extracting information from systems. It's more about, well, how do you feel about it? Isn't it more about changing things? Well, no. I, 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 the way to think about it is it's about automation, right? And so then what is it that you want to automate? Well, sometimes you want to automate troubleshooting. Sometimes you want to automate operations. Sometimes you want to automate um, data management. So it's really all about automation. Sure. Now, the point about automation is that often you have components and they do whatever they do, but what you want to do is something different, right? Because if it did what you want to do, you just push a button and yeah. then that would be it. And so often, I mean, the Unix world had this dialed in, right? What they said from a cultural standpoint is we're going to build general purpose small tools and then glue them together with a composable system. That way... Um, if uh, a problem comes up, I can quickly compose a solution to that. And this was brilliant because, in fact, the problems always change, right? They change because the environment changes. 
the politics change, uh, uh, you know, you've got a heterogeneous system, et cetera. Sure. So it's super important that individuals have the ability to say, great, something new just happened, and not go back to the vendor and say, oh, by the way, something new happened. I need a, a new turnkey solution to that. And the vendor says, yeah, that's great. Wait three years. Yeah. Just hang in there for three years, and I'll deliver it to you. We really don't want to have to ship new versions of software because our SLA terms change. That's not exactly. good. Exactly. You got it. So basically, PowerShell is all about that, giving people the skills and the tools and the techniques to be able to very rapidly create their own solutions to novel problems. I've also found it a fascinating tool for fact-finding. How many accounts are we talking about here? How many people are involved in this? That whole ability just to sort of range through a system and, and dig out some interesting data. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, with version 2, we added the remoting. And so now you can do this across a very large number of systems and get, you know, just it, the, the barrier, the cost of like truly getting a beat on what's going on in your environment has gone down dramatically with PowerShell version two. Although I give you this, it is a gun and you can shoot your foot off with it. Well, I like to say chainsaw. Yeah. You know, chainsaw, <laughs> chainsaw applied to tree, good. Chainsaw applied to leg, not, not so, so good. good. Yeah. So, you know, we try and put uh, uh, guardrails on it. But indeed, it's a very powerful tool. We understood that. And that's why we apply a couple principles. One principle is transparency, right? So if you take a look at a lot of the Unix stuff, you'll see some name like GORP. And then, you know, 1713, right? And you're like... You're looking at a script, and you're like, geez, I, I wonder what that does. Yeah, what right? is that? <laughs> exactly. And we don't do that, right? We have explicit names, verb-noun, you know, restart computer, you know, parameter names that you can read and make sense. And when you look at a PowerShell script, it really kind of reads like a, 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 an English sentence of what somebody wants to have happen. So that's one thing. The other is, you know, <laughs> I once talked to an admin who said, Every now and again, I find myself in a situation where I'm about to hit enter or click the button, and I stop and I think, boy, if I get this wrong, I'm going to get fired. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought to myself, boy, what a crappy world that is. We can do better. So in PowerShell, if you're ever going to do something that has a side effect on the system, you can type it all out and you can say, what if? Yeah, show me. Show me. Mm. What would have happened? And then you can look at it and say, yep, that looks pretty good. Go ahead and do it. Or you can say minus confirm. And minus confirm says, hey, here's what I'm about to do. Would you like me to do that? Yes. Here's what I'm doing. Would you like me to do that? No. So that ability to give people, you know, security uh, in a world with a tool that's very, very powerful was very important to us. Well, and also there's a point at which filtering gets insane where I've got, I've got, you know, 99% of the people I want in this, but I'm sure, you know, there's a couple that shouldn't be there. So at least having, going to the confirm option just gives me a way to not build the perfect filter every time. You know, I use confirm a whole bunch when there's like, exactly for that reason, right? I use some filter and it gets me from a thousand defiles down to 10, but in that 10 are some ones that I don't want to delete. Right. So you just say, minus confirm. And, you know, I could, if I tried to futz with getting the filter just right, it's just beyond, it's just too much effort. Yeah, not worth it. You're down, now you're down to, might as well just do each file by hand. Exactly. A very challenging part. So is PowerShell 2.0 perfect? <laughs> it's pretty no, good. No, no, 
<laughs> no, it's not. In fact, one of the um, we have a, a great uh, lead program manager, um, Kenneth Hansen, and when we were doing version two, he came up with a great you know kind of mem, mm-hmm. mem. And, and what he said was PowerShell version two first and foremost has to be a better PowerShell version one. Right which is to say, hey, we're going to go add this feature, and we're going to add remoting and all this, but what we got to do is to make all the things that we tried to do in version 1, we got to make them even better. So that's one of our mems. So the next version of PowerShell will be a better PowerShell version 2, and then we'll add a whole bunch of stuff. No, I think there's a, a bunch of things that uh, we could do better. Um, I think it's uh, a number of things you still have to be a developer to do. For instance, yeah. delegated administration. Delegated administration, I view as a critical technique to solve IT politics, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for instance, imagine an environment that says, hey, you know, I'm in charge of an LOB app, and in order for that to work, I need to be able to, you know, manage my storage and manage my networking and manage my systems. So, hey, just, hey, Mr. Uh, storage Guy, just give me admin rights to the storage subsystem. And he's going to say, you're out of your mind. You know, that's my job. I can't give that to you. Right. If you mess it up, I'm going to get fired. So instead, you know, you send me an email, and I might read it at some point, and I might do something about it at some point, and da-da-da. So that those divisions, which exist for very good reason, cause a lot of friction in the world. So delegated administration basically is a technique that says, hey, you, you, I'm not giving you admin privs, but I'm going to give you the ability to do these set of things against these set of resources with your user privileges, and then they'll run as an admin. Okay, but you don't you don't get to be admin. Right. And right now you can do that with PowerShell, but you have to be a developer to do it. So that's how Exchange hosted services work. Right? Exchange, you come in in the hosted services environment, you come in with your live ID and then you perform operations which require, you know, administrative privileges. And so they do that. And and right now a developer does that. But I think that IT pros should be able to create those environments as well. That's just one example of the thing that I think we can do. Jeff, isn't that really an issue around Exchange itself and the way that Exchange has set its security privileges by function? Uh, well, yep, but basically that's the policy, and then we're the mechanism. So literally what happens is they host PowerShell up in an IIS environment. Mm-hmm. What they do is they take that live ID and they map it to their specific, they've got a database that says this live ID gets to be able to perform these functions on these machines. And then dynamically they create a PowerShell environment that can only do those things and then they run it as admin. Okay. Yeah. But it, I mean, it still feels like you're circumventing the core issue, which is that that most products do not have good security policies around those discrete features. Mm. You know, it, it gets a con- one of the challenges I see with PowerShell in general is how good a job has that product done in implementing uh, accessibility for PowerShell. I mean, I think IIS and Exchange are the, some of the best manifestations there, and they still have challenges. Yep. Yep. Well, I'm, I'm actually trying to draw a tease part what is you're saying are you talking about the coverage or about their security policy and the abstractions that they surface well i think it, coverage is certainly one thing and and you know the is guys went around it the right way where essentially powershell is the only tool and the gui sits over the powershell yeah but i think their core issue here is generally speaking and i hate making generalizations because you're usually wrong 
developers mess up security policy inside uh-huh. of applications. They're just, there are serious problems with it. It always seems to be retrofitted and we never are able to really get down to the discrete action level as a policy of security. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with you there. But I mean, it's interesting to me that you're thinking through ways to deal with the fact that we're probably never going to get that right in the, de- <laughs> in the development level. So let's see if we yeah. can build a tool that simply compensates that given a command, you know, there's a way to escalate to a level of security that I would normally not have access to. Right. Well, that's one of our, again, one of our mottos uh, is that we deal with with PowerShell. PowerShell deals with the way the world is right. versus the way the world should be. <laughs> right? Because some people say, well, geez, why did you add all that text parsing business in, in uh, PowerShell version 2? There's some in 1, but we really did a much better job mm-hmm. in PowerShell version 2. Why did you do that? Why don't you just say, hey, everybody's got to write commandlets? I said, well, well, we did both. One is we're super hardcore. Yes, everyone wrote sorry, commandlets, but the reality is the world is out there is a messy place. Yeah. And 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 if we don't do that, then you're left saying, well, geez, the world's good. I'll, I'll be able to be successful when the world is is a nice, great world. Right. But no, you got to be successful today. Yeah. Um, once everybody complies with my standards, everything will be fine. Yeah. Right. No. You got to deal with the way the world is, and then work to make it a better world. Mm-hmm. That's why you can program in .NET in PowerShell. We don't think that's a good thing, right? We don't think that oh, IT pros are sitting there dying to take a look at the members and products and you know methods and properties of .NET classes, right? Mm-hmm. I haven't met that IT pro. No, they like the high-level task-oriented abstractions that commandlets give it. But when they don't have that, you know, hey, they'll. Uh, they they got to do .NET or they got to do COM or they got to talk to XML or they got to talk REST, whatever it is. You know that's when your hair is on fire. You know you'll hit stick your head in basically anything to put that hair out. Yeah, and there, and it is .NET ends up being the fallback position. Yeah, exactly. Although I do have a I have been talking to a couple of IT pros who are doing community college .NET classes because they've hit the wall with some of the stuff they need to do in PowerShell. Sure. It's it's sure. it's just interesting to see that they're you know ready to cross that line essentially. Well, and if you again take a look at the Unix world, you see a very blurry line between the IT world and the developer world. Developers do a bunch of IT things because it's just another flavor of programming, and IT people end up uh, you know uh, doing some development. Oh, and that's a good thing. Some of the most frightening Perl scripts I've ever seen were written by IT pros. There you go. Yeah, it's just. Not that Pearl's inherent got a natural, you know, it's almost it's almost a character of it to say just how scary can I make this statement? Every Pearl script I've read has scared me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not trying to throw a rock. I mean, you know, Larry Wall. I mean, he's one of my heroes, right? He, the world is definitely a better place because he walked through it. Mm-hmm. You know, he and so you know, all kudos to Larry. But just when I read that stuff, it just always struck me as a write-only language, yeah, right? right. Once that, read, never. Well, in fact, again, that inspired us, right? Because we, we, I try and instill in all the people of the, the team, look, you've got to understand, here's a scenario I want you to have in focus. An IT pro, Friday night, uh, is going to do something after everybody leaves. Mm-hmm. He expects to be done by 9 o'clock. Now it's 3 a.m. in the morning, and everything's gone to hell, okay? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and now, how are you going to help him? And if it's 3 a.m., and he looks and he says, oh, everything's gone to heck, I'm going to open up and see what that script did, and, they, and it's a big, you know, 3,000-line Perl script, 
that guy's just he's doomed right he's just gonna sit there and have a breakdown no you should be terrified to even attempt to touch that you add one period and the whole thing breaks exactly whereas with powershell he's going to bring it up and he's going to be able to read oh and we did this and we did this and and you can just read it i don't know if you've done i was just commenting to to somebody yesterday that as i go and i see a bunch of the 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 work people are doing in the net you know publishing their powershell work on the Mm -hmm. net i'm able to read all of their scripts and know exactly what they do it's just a nice readable language i also like how you can take a chunk of that script and what if it to see what that piece did Exactly. So that's the sort of thing that at 3 a.m. in the morning when everything's gone bad, those are nice tools. Do you you see PowerShell being used much for tailing logs, like actual real-time monitoring? Is that really going in a different place? Well, honestly, that's a a particular bug that we have. We don't tail files very well. Mm -hmm. Actually, we do it quite poorly. Uh, And so that's something that we have to fix. But in general, I'd say that no, uh, you know, PowerShell's being used to to fill up the gaps. Right. You know, wherever there are gaps, PowerShell's filling it. Sometimes we fill it very easily and naturally. Other times we don't fill it as well. So concretely, this tail business, um, we, you know, just it was on our list of things to do. We always prioritized, and and it fell below below the line. Well, the, this is where the community fits in. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys in the community said, hey, you know what? That sucks. <laughs> you didn't do a very good job. Uh, we're going to provide a tail command. And so they did, and they provide a great one. It's called uh, PowerShell Community Extensions, PSCX. It's on Coplex. They've just written a ton of functions, you know, a group of really talented people. And so now, now you go and you say, hey, I want to tail a file. You go get that tool, and it does a very good job on it. So we've got a very good community. In fact, that's the one thing I want to stress is that when people get into PowerShell, sort of culturally, the thing you got to get your head around is that you have to become a member of the community to be successful, right? And that is to say when, when something goes wrong, go ask the community. Sure. You know, we have got forums. We've got Wikipedias. We're on Twitter. And you ask one of these questions, and then there's a bunch of people very eager to help you. Well, and, and spend a little time searching because odds are your problem has been dealt with before. There's so many script libraries out there. It's crazy. Exactly. And indeed, when you run into trouble, search there. I mean, we, we put in a number of things into the product specifically with this scenario in, in mind. Like, have you ever noticed when you get an error, it's kind of verbose and there's this thing called a, a fully qualified error ID. Mm-hmm. Now, that thing is never localized. Like, the, the, the error message, that gets localized. But the fully qualified error ID, it's an ID. It's not localized. And so that thing works perfectly as a, as a search text. Yeah, it's, that is the most searchable thing. You can just grab that, search that. It's your error. Exactly. Yeah, no, that, what, you that know, was very clever happen. of you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Saved my no. bacon a few times. Well, and, and you speak English, like chances, <laughs> right? Chances are you could take the English text and search for it and find it because yeah. there's a whole bunch of English content. But if you were in Poland and you took and cut and paste a Polish text message into, into Bing, you know, probably you're not going to get t- tied to the uh, solution to your problem. No. But if you take that fully qualified error ID, which is the same everywhere, paste it, you're going to find some stuff. You might have to get it translated, but there are machine things that do it. But honestly, yeah. You're, anyway, fr- you're further quiet. ahead there. 
I'm wondering how much of a challenge it's, how does it impact you working on PowerShell 3 to see all these extensions and so forth going on at the same time? Does that actually impact how you move forward? Like, are the, the PSCX guys going to have to do a rev to fit with your rev? Um, let's see. How do you answer that? We, you know, what we do is we do a couple things. First is we plan, you know, what are the big things that we want to achieve with the release? Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are the big advances. And then we do what we call bottoms-up work. So bottoms-up work is where um, we go and we take all the points of contact we have with the community, the Connect database, our engagements at conferences, the notes from that, our conversations with the MVPs, and we go and we just start, we prioritize those lists of things that they want or bugs that they filed, and we just start working down that list. So, you know, like the tail command, that's on a list somewhere. It has a priority. And at some point, we just work down, and we spend a bunch of our budget on those things because we're very community-focused. So if it turns out that, hey, we get to the one where they said, hey, your tail sucks, why don't you fix it, and we fix that, then indeed, you know, at that point, we'll be stepping on the toes of, of the, the PCX community project, and then they'll have to, to, you know, they'll have a conflict that they have to deal with. Right. So, They'd be more than happy to to get rid of theirs and use ours if ours is good. Well, and yeah, you you guys own the problem, not them. Yeah, it's a it's yep. a it's a fair trade off. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the sort of discussion that happened internally about you know why was there ever a thought as to why PowerShell wouldn't be installed by default on two thousand eight R two and Windows seven and so forth? Was there actually a discussion there? Because it seems self evident that it should have been there. Yeah, well, PowerShell's written in managed code. Mm-hmm. So, you know, around the time of the Longhorn reset, there were a lot of people looking and saying, hey, where should we use managed code and where shouldn't we use managed code? And want to be very thoughtful about that. So being a system component, there was a lot of concern. Hey, is this going to be the, is this going to work out well? Um, you know, is it the right technology at the right place? So that's where a lot of those conversations came up. And then we successfully addressed all those issues and got in on by default. And you'll see even more, you know, going forward, you'll see just more and more and more acceptance of this technology. Um, and I'd love to give you the details of that. But trust me, learning PowerShell is a very critical uh, <laughs> IT, <laughs> IT pro skill set. Well, I think, you, you know, you've hinted at the core statement here, which is that you pass the bar. Those Windows guys, and I'm not saying that negatively because they've built a product that's made helped me make a living for a very long time. They're all C++ programmers. For them to live with something that is managed is fairly challenging to pull off. So kudos to you. Like, I don't envy you, sir. That's not an easy thing to do. But you know, when I work with C++ folks, they're pretty particular. There you go. Yeah. So, you know, we had some challenging conversations and frankly, some of those, uh, you know, uh, forced us to do some things that, uh, really made us that much better. I must say that the team is an awesome team. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been between, you, you, you can imagine, uh, the difficulties of getting a command line language, uh, done at Microsoft, right? Sure. I mean, early on, we had conversations that went along the lines of, which part of Windows did you not understand? <laughs> <laughs> and things like, admins don't want command line interfaces. Uh, right? We know and that's say, not true. I would say, how long, what, what was your first job out of college? And they said, well, I've been working at Microsoft since college. I said, I knew that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there's a, there's a big cultural issue there. 
um, that we had to overcome and educate people, et cetera. Uh, so it's been a really quite a, a big challenge. Now, here's what's so great, though. Uh, it is now what we call a CEC, a Common Engineering Criteria, which basically says that if you have an IT Pro-focused product, you must support PowerShell or you can't ship. Right. So now everything from Microsoft in that category basically has a mandate to yes. support PowerShell. Exactly. Now, at some point, uh, you know, you can force things down people's throat and they can find a way around it and all that. You know, no matter what, people can always find a way around it. Mm-hmm. But what we have found is that the teams that go and they actually engage and they do this, sometimes they do a little, sometimes they do a lot. But uniformly, 100% of those teams, when they release this, they get such a positive reaction from their customers and, frankly, from the process of developing it. We've made it pretty easy Mm -hmm. uh, that all of them come back and want to do more. They all are very enthusiastic about it. Their customers love it, and they come back and, and you know do more in their next release. So to me, that's the sign of success. You know, that's how you make it sustainable. Hey, before this, you know, we've had teams like this who who like kicking and screaming. No, 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 you don't understand. I know my admins, and they don't want a command line interface. Right. And they'll go to the mat on it, and then it's just like, well, here's the deal. Did you want to ship? Yeah. Well, then you're going to do it. And they, oh, I don't like that. And then they go and do it. And the very same people a year or so later are like, oh, my gosh, have you seen this? My customers love this. And next release, we're going to do this, this, and this. So to me, that's, that's just heaven. When I look at IIS 7, which was a radical departure from IIS 6, and, and PowerShell was a big part of that, and then IIS 7.5, where I think they really stepped up another notch there. That it's, it's just a remarkable product. And it changed the way they deploy the new modules to it, like it's changed the product substantially, and I think for the better. Yay, yay. So what about third parties? Uh, I mean, is there a, a group of you as part of the PowerShell team that are really out in the world there banging the same drum and getting more folks involved? Uh, we have not had a very big, um, you know, dedicated, you know, ed- uh, evangelism effort on this. <clears throat> We've got a number of uh, third parties that do do this, mm-hmm. uh, basically from their customers saying, "Hey, I need this." So if you go today to any storage, uh, any any uh, IT Pro focused conference, all the storage vendors have PowerShell or are working on PowerShell. You know, I went to NetApp. I was, I was walking by and and they doing this talk about about fault tolerance and failover and disaster recovery, and the guy's showing all this PowerShell script stuff. And I went afterwards, I said, oh, well, what's this? He said, oh, yeah, we've got 350 uh, commandlets written. I was like, really? He says, yeah, it's great. We're able to solve all these problems, and it's just wonderful. And then I talked to uh, a number of the other storage vendors. They're all there. The networking guys, a little less so. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we're seeing more and more uptake as, uh, you know, it, it, people form. What happens is, People adopt PowerShell, and then they'll try and automate the little islands of their process, and then they'll try and grow them and make them bigger and bigger. And as they do that, often they find the next guy that they have to say, hey, you know, you are in between me and being able to fully automate my solution. Yeah, you're so, holding up Nirvana here, man. Exactly. <laughs> so get on the on the ticket. But like F5, F5's been one of the very early, they've got load balancers. They were one of the very early uh, adopters of PowerShell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I don't, I'm a big F5 fan. I use their products. Works like a charm. I think VMware's on board, too. They've done a bunch oh. of interesting things. Yeah, actually, interestingly, they are one of the more active PowerShell communities. And so I thought that was very interesting. So I went and talked to the, the guy in charge of that. And I said, hey, so, you know, what's going on here? He says, you know, it's really an IQ test. He says, you know, if you've got one or two systems, you can get by with a mouse. Right. He says, as soon as you do virtualize, you got dozens of systems and you're either automating or you're dying. Yeah, one or the other. You're either yeah. buried or you're not. It, it's amazing how quickly... Uh, VMs propagate. It's they, they're very viral. Yeah. So you know, this year I went and attended VMworld just to get a beat on. Hey, are we serving that community well? You know, what are their needs, etc. And one of the guys, I was in some talk, and this guy raises his hand. He says, "Excuse me, I got this problem. I got to change the settings on five thousand NICs. How do I do that?" Like, <laughs> PowerShell, my friend. PowerShell. <laughs> <laughs> But can you imagine just sitting there, like, one day realizing, oh, my God, yeah. I've got to change this on 5,000 nicks, and just looking at your mouse, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> How much time have I got? Yeah, it's like, hey, you know, can we hire an intern? we got to hire an intern, because i got a summer <laughs> project for him. He's going to be doing a little clicking. Oh, my God. Uh, I noticed in the blog, uh, the PowerShell Deep Dive Conference. Yes. So yes. this is part of Tech 2011? Yep. Okay, uh, April 18 and 19. Does PowerShell need its own conference? Is this a good thing? Well, what we're doing here is we're trying to make it, you know, we're trying to keep it relatively small, right? Maximum of 100 attendees. You know, we kind of like it to be between 40 and 60. And basically, um, it, it, it had a number of different starting points. But one of them was one of my all-time favorite conference moments was Tech Ed Boston a number of years mm -hmm. ago. 2006. When, yeah, exactly. And there's this guy, PowerShell, uh, he's called the PowerShell guy, his name's Mo. And, uh, I ran into him in the hallway and he asked me a question. I said, well, hold on a second. I opened up my laptop and I started to show him something. He said, well, what about this? And I showed him that. And then he started to show me stuff. And then Scott Hanselman came by and he opened up his laptop. And so the three of us were sitting on the floor of the convention center for maybe three or four hours, just showing each other cool PowerShell stuff. And it was so, so much fun. Anyway, so that's sort of what we have uh, when we do these conferences. Every now and again, we'll have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with something, or et cetera. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to get a bunch of PowerShell geeks together and just geek out. Right, And so we're following a format that's very much like TED Talks, mm -hmm. right? We've got a very short talk, you know, 15 to 18 minutes, uh, where somebody will get up and they'll say, hey, did you know, let me show you how to do this. And then we've got a, about a 10-minute talk period. So, for instance, there's this whole area of domain-specific languages. Mm -hmm. Now, I think domain-specific languages are a terrible idea. <laughs> I mean, they're absolutely a terrible idea. This is a whole other hour, Jeff, just like that. This okay. is a huge topic. But, but domain-specific vocabularies okay. are a glorious idea. Well, Kirk Monroe from Quest Software mm -hmm. has written a domain-specific language for Visio in PowerShell. Okay, and so the point of this is you write PowerShell code, but all of a sudden there's this language that looks like Visio. It's actually PowerShell, wow. uh, but it looks like Visio. And so he's got a thing that says document and then squiggle brackets and then page one. And then in the middle of there, he's got something with a, with a PowerShell for loop that goes into Active Directory, grabs things, and then he's got 
Visio statements for icons. So he's basically got like a one-page script that looks like Visio, or you know, statements, Visio directives, like a Visio language. Hmm. But in fact, what it's doing is it goes out to Active Directory and it builds you a map of your network. Wow. It's just crazy wonderful. And I've had Kirk on the show before, and he's never admitted to doing this. I'm going to have to go after him. That sounds like a whole other show. It's one of his side projects. I mean, yeah, it's just amazing stuff. And so he's going to talk about that. Yeah, no and kidding. And we'll all geek out. And then I'm going to give a talk on, on proxy functions and, uh, and just say, hey, you know, this is a little – I don't see much of this people talking about this on the web, but this is one of the most powerful things we've done. Let me show you how you can use it and how, uh, uh, what things you can do with it. So we're just, you know, it's a bunch of PowerShell geeks who are going to geek out together. Yeah, I, I think I'd like to be a fly on a wall on that one. That just, that's a heck of a conversation. And, and interesting, once you start thinking in that particular idea of how do I create a language around integrating certain functions like that, there's a bunch of opportunities there. Oh, and the, I tell you, the cream of the PowerShell community are, are going to be there. You know, I mentioned either the the guy uh, from NetApps who wrote the, oh, I don't know if I said they had 350 commands. I said, well, how'd you do that? He said, one guy. So one guy, he says, yeah, one guy, three months, wrote these. Wow. That guy's coming to the conference. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, Luke Deakins, who's very big in the VM world, uh, he's like their premier PowerShell guy. You know, you, you got a PowerShell question, he's the guy always answering it. Wow. He's going to come give a talk. James O'Neill, who had done those hypervisor commandlets, who, who James O'Neill, who saved my butt with his <laughs> hypervisor commandlets. I'm serious. That's, that another, like, that's another Coplex project, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I was ready for just absolutely go down in flames with this hideously complex demo that I had to do for TechEd. And uh, if it weren't for James's commandlets, uh, I would have died. And he just saved my butt. Well, he's going to come talk about those. So, I mean, the list just goes on and on. Um, there's still room for more people to come. So we encourage folks to come. But it is going to be a, a pretty great event. Or that's the, that's the deal. We've got a bunch of people from the PowerShell team coming. Bruce Payette, the lead for the language. Lee Holmes, who wrote the uh, the PowerShell cookbook, is going to be there. Awesome. So uh, I will put a link on the RunAS site for folks who want to find the PowerShell Deep Dive Conference, or certainly you can search on that. It'll turn up pretty easily. And Jeffrey Snover, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been a real honor. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you next week on RunAS Radio. Mm-hmm.